There's that old saying, you know, probably, I guess, old because it's before GPS, you know, where saying that guys don't like to ask for directions, right? And imagine if you're riding with a guy who absolutely is convinced that um, to get to Florida, he has to drive north and uh, say he really hates backseat drivers and he's going to get angry if you start to correct him. And what do you do? Well, do you sit tight and just uh, let him live with his notion that Florida is up north? Or do you speak the truth, even if it might upset him? This guy was, of course, truly in the wrong. And the stakes are kind of high, after all. I mean, you're never going to get to Florida by driving north, no matter how strongly the person behind the wheel believes that to be the case. We don't all have great instincts about directions, but by the virtue of the fact that we're human, you know, Jesus in the gospel there at that last line said he understood human nature well. Well, part of our human nature is that we have an instinctual sense of right and wrong. On some level, we all know, without being told by anyone, that to murder someone is wrong, or that to steal is wrong, and so on. This is because what is called natural law. It's written into our very human nature by our Creator. So when God gave, the, gave humanity the Ten Commandments, he really wasn't telling us anything that we didn't already know on some level. He was just simply making it concrete, pouring, or putting it down in writing so that we could no longer delude ourselves and rationalize lives of sin. This is why the scriptures often talk about the commandments in the, in the Old Testament, talk about the commandments of almost as a curse, because now we can't, uh, it's, it's there in black and white. We can no longer deny that these things are sin. We always knew it, but now it's in writing. So Lent, though, it's a time for us to examine our lives and to you know, decide how they need to change. So should, we should ask ourselves, do we worship idols? like those greedy money changers in the temple who sought not God and holiness there in that holy place, but wealth? Do we ever speak the Lord's name carelessly or without purpose? Do we ever fail to keep Sunday as a holy day, for example, by choosing sports or work or recreation instead of mass? Do we honor and respect our parents and grandparents? Have we harmed anyone? or failed to care for ourselves? Have we looked lustfully at others or at images of them? Have we taken things that don't belong to us? Have we lied? Have we coveted our neighbor's spouse or goods? If we've done any of these things and we don't intend to stop doing them, we're trying to get to heaven by going the wrong way. Or we're just assuming that all roads lead to heaven but they don't. God loves us enough to tell us that, that not all roads lead to heaven. And he has given us a sure roadmap to get to heaven. And the trouble is, we need to be humble enough to accept his advice, to change our ways, to turn around, or we'll never get to our destination. In truth, then, we will never enter heaven if we live unrepentant of our sins and what constitutes sin is not a matter of our own opinion, 
It's set in stone. It's the law of God, which Psalm 19, which we just heard, reminds us is it's perfect. It's trustworthy. It's right. It's clear. It's pure. It's just. It's true and more precious than gold. That's why I think it's especially troubling to see kind of rampant ignorance and indifference about God's law. When faced with disagreements about right and wrong, people will often say things like, who am I to judge the actions of other people? Or, as long as their beliefs aren't forced on me, well, they can do whatever they want. Well, that's really not sufficient. It doesn't respect the fact that our brothers and sisters will be held responsible for their sins, and we are called to love them as we love ourselves. So it is true that we can, and and in certain conditions, we should judge the actions of others. We can't or shouldn't try to judge the motive or culpability of a sinful action because we can't read minds. We can't, for, for example, say, well, I saw you doing this thing, that's wrong, and you're going to hell for that. You're guilty of that. Well, we can say that the action is evil. For example, we can tell a couple that is deciding to live together, that cohabitation, living together before marriage, is an evil, should be avoided for their own good and the good of children and so on. We can say that, well, looking at pornography is an evil action, should be avoided for one's own good and the good of family. We can say that sleeping in on Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, you can sleep in Saturday, but not Sunday, skipping Mass, that that's an, that's an evil thing. We can say that. What we can't say is, well, you're going to go to hell because you're guilty of this. God knows who's guilty. But we can point out things that are evil. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI uh, once called us in Lent, quote, to be concerned for one another and not to remain isolated and indifferent to the fate of our brothers and sisters. All too often, however, our attitude is just the opposite an indifference and disinterest born of selfishness and masked as a respect for privacy. We don't want to bother anyone. It's their business if they want to do these evil things. Well, it's kind of our business too, to a degree. Our family, our neighbors, and our friends will never get to heaven if they knowingly live in serious sin. It's an act of charity to point out to someone if their actions are contrary to God's law and invite them to conversion. I mean, after all, God loves us enough to tell us what's right and wrong, and we should love others enough to do the same for them. Keeping in mind, of course, this is admittedly very difficult, and it must always be done out of charity and concern for the souls of the one being corrected, all the while, too, remembering we ourselves are sinners. And consider the gospel for today. The businessmen in that temple, they're... Uh, excuse me, Uh, yeah, the businessmen in the temple were providing very useful and necessary services. People needed these animals for sacrifice in the temple. They had to have these animals, so it made sense they should be able to acquire them. But their business dealings had grown to the point that they were taking the place of prayers in the temple courts. The activity in the temple had become more about business than worship. And Jesus, showing concern for the souls of all the people in the temple area and out of reverence for his father's house 
kicked the businessmen out of the temple. He corrected them and warned everyone to stop making the father's house a marketplace. If he hadn't done that, if he had just said, well, what they're doing is wrong, but it's up to them, well, all the visitors to the temple would not have been able to properly worship. Everyone would have suffered. We are a community, and we all bear responsibility for the well-being of one another. We should all strongly desire that the person sitting next to us, that they get to heaven. And if you can help them do that by pointing out maybe some evil actions in a spirit of true charity, of course, without judging their guilt, well, you should. If you have that relationship, you should. If you don't correct them, well, their sin might actually grow. It might influence other people. It might draw them away from God into sin. So, you know, if you're like in the, that passenger I mentioned at the beginning, you're a passenger in that car on your way to Florida by going north, you probably should get up the courage to correct the driver. And if you don't, neither one of you is going to get to your destination. Likewise, there's a right path to heaven. And it doesn't depend on what our opinion is. We've got to follow God's law, his roadmap to heaven. And we should try to help others in our community to do the same. Amen.